You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 202, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. This edition of Look at My Records features an interview with Brooklyn songwriter and multi-instrumentalist Jordan Blakely. Known across the city for her drumming prowess and her contributions to a number of great bands over the last decade, Blakely went solo this past year with the release of her debut EP as Smile Machine. The five-song collection, which is titled Bye For Now, showcases her intriguing first foray into songwriting, incorporating a decent amount of fuzz and a whole lot of feeling. We chatted all about it during our extensive conversation, including her experiences recording the EP with engineer Dan Francia and the deeper meaning behind some of the standout tracks, including Bone to Pick and Pretty Today. Plus, Blakely and I chatted about her recent experiences touring in Barty Strange, the importance of Shea Stadium and fostering community in North Brooklyn, how she learned more about herself after writing her first batch of songs, and of course, what inspired her to begin writing her own songs after solely playing drums for so long, and much more. Plus, Blakely picked some great records from my collection, including choice cuts from Cat Power, Elliot Smith, and Sonic Youth. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, so I'm super excited to be here with Jordan Blakely, known as Smile Machine now. You released an awesome EP in July on Exploding in Sound Records called Buy For Now. Everyone, it's great. You can get it on cassette via explodinginsoundrecords.bandcamp.com. Jordan, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Thank you for making it work. Um, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and just played last night at Newport Theater. Um, So I've just been traveling with Barty Strange and playing shows. We played some shows with Lucy Dacus right now. Very, very cool. This is a massive, very cool tour that you're in the middle of with Barty's Strange. I saw you played Pitchfork Fest. You've been getting to play some theaters and stuff around the country. What's that been like? Any moments in this stretch of tour dates that have been particularly noteworthy for you? Um, I mean, the festivals have all been crazy. Like I, like I would go to HF Festival and like Virgin Fest when I was in high school, like the radio festivals, stuff like that. But I never really went to like a big festival like that. So just seeing how it all operates, like behind the scenes was really cool. Like having a drum riser and like a big camera <laughs> yeah. behind you. was It was kind of scary. Like I feel like that must be how people feel when they're 
like in the movies and they see their face on the screen like it felt like kind of terrifying <laughs> like black mirror <laughs> yeah wait, so you must have <laughs> yeah at some point because in those big festivals i've only been to like one or two where you know they have the cameras all along on different parts of the stage and then they focus in on different people and then there's those two big screens usually on the side of the yes and i'm stage. <laughs> Exactly. And it's creepy because they're like delayed. So like if you're if you're playing and your face is like this and then you look behind you and your face is like this, it's like really disorienting. Oh, my <laughs> you know gosh. I mean? like, there's like a weird delay, but I don't know. It was fun. Like I love playing outside. I think that's like my favorite part. There's always like so much to look around and look at. And um, I, we got to see like St. Vincent and Ty Seagal, which was really cool. And Divino Nino. I don't, I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but a lot of really good bands. Like, um, and Lucy and her band are really great and really friendly. And it's been, I just like been really lucky to see music every night. And it just feels good to do it again. Yeah. What's it, So do you typically get to watch? you know other other bands play during these festival dates or in the theater dates do you check out the opener and enjoy it you know since live music has been absent from our lives for so long yeah sometimes like governor's ball we had to um run to the next place so we didn't yeah. really get to like like i really wanted to see billy eilish yeah totally yeah i really love her like i feel like i didn't like pay attention to her much and a lot of my students that I teach really like her so I've gotten more open-minded to her music but I watched like the documentary about her and she just seems like such a badass performer and like I don't know just kind of a fun person cool do you get but, to meet yeah. anyone that was exciting to meet on this tour like during these dates that you've admired <sighs> sadly because of COVID it's been really isolated like pe people are just yeah. like in their own pods so like i definitely heard stories about people being at festivals and running into crazy celebrities or like, people from other bands um so i didn't as much get to do that but let me think i mean i met phoebe bridgers which is cool oh wow we yeah that is cool <laughs> yeah she was really nice like um <laughs> that was the first show that we played that was actually the first show i played with this band at all except for some like live stream shows so that was kind of intense just like the first show we played together in person was at this big stadium with phoebe and it was intimidating but it just felt like liberating in a way where it was like i'm just fucking ready let's do it i don't even care <laughs> like i just felt like i was in my own yeah world, that's a great of. approach especially for you know really big gigs like this that's kind of a recipe for making sure it goes well is to kind of just put it in perspective like that yeah it's just crazy because like the show i'm trying to think of the last show i played in 2020 and it was probably like Oh, it was actually at Our Wicked Lady in New York. So it's just like weird how things can change. Yeah, in such a short period I, of time. I don't know. Yeah, but totally. <laughs> yeah, it feels like forever. But also it's like a scene in a movie where it just like cuts to another scene. And you're like, That's what happened? <laughs> and that's crazy. Where did we go? What happened in between? <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And just meeting... So, like, everyone in, like, Lucy's band is just, like, such a pro, and they've been playing forever. So just getting to meet them has been cool and, like, inspiring as yeah, well. Yeah, Lucy Dacus know. is an awesome performer. I saw her at Mercury Lounge right around the time her first record came out. Very memorable nice. show for me. Yeah. She has a beautiful voice, and she's been just busting out, like, new songs. She's like, I wrote this yesterday, just playing it in front of tons of people and it's like really incredible like totally that takes a lot of courage yeah good for her i know her fans are so sweet too they're like they always are just so quiet and they just she'll be like please don't film this and no one does it's crazy they really like value her it seems like wonderful shout out to lucy dacus (laughs) yes so before we get into this ep which is awesome thank you You've been known as a great, really reliable drummer for so many projects over the years in New York City. How'd you first get involved in playing with all these different projects in Brooklyn? Uh, What were some of your early experiences and what were they like? Um, I moved to New York in 2010 and didn't really know a lot of people like I kind of was just on Craigslist a lot, like trying to find gigs. Like I played at church for a while. I did just random restaurant gigs, but I think the first band I met that like got me involved with more of a community was, um, well, there's sort of two, one was called the Darties and, um, they're like in the lower East side and they've been around for a while. Um, I played with them and also this band called Life Size Maps. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone remembers. That's like a throwback. But yeah. <laughs> so I played at like Chase Stadium with them, um, 285 Kent, Big Snow, Buffalo Lodge, like those venues, and just met people through them. Like Night Manager, I met through them. And this band, Butter the Children, who I played with. So it's, I guess, just playing a lot of shows and like getting visibility. Like people, if they see you play drums and I need a drummer. I think like just playing a lot of shows. So you really dove in, would you say, like once you connected with one band? Because drummers are always very, very in demand. And so many drummers in Brooklyn yeah. will be playing with four or five different projects at the same time. Was it something very quick like that where you played with one band yeah. and then people saw you were good and reliable and then it kind of just snowballed from there? I guess so, yeah. I, would, I fill in a lot. Like, if um, I filled in with Ava Luna for a couple shows, or like filling in with Night Manager is how I started playing with them more regularly. Just like subbing in is like a good way to meet a lot of different people too and like get more versatility. Um, I think I have to cut it off at like three yeah. bands though, because <laughs> <laughs> like it's just too much to rehearse that much and like. It's fun, though. I definitely was like, I just want to play a show every day. Like, that's all I want to do. I want to play with every everything. I just want to be doing it. So I'm happy that I'm yeah, still absolutely. doing it, I guess. You, you, know? you mentioned uh, Shea Stadium, and you're pretty in, we're pretty involved with the people there, right? How did you start to get involved with Shea Stadium? Because they, that venue, of course, really stands out as a venue that created a 
creative community. And even though the venue still is. is kind of in limbo, I, I guess it may reopen, yeah. still kind of has this presence in Brooklyn. Yeah, they um they still book shows at like different venues and have events. But yeah, I think they just were always really welcoming. And like, I just played there a lot. And every time I played there, like everyone who works there is just, they just want to hang out and, you know, so it just became like, sometimes I would just go there to, to hang out and just go to shows there a lot. So, and Nora and Reese are just really supportive. Like Nora is always down to book a show. Um, Reese has like a studio now in Sunset Park. So like they're still doing stuff. Like they still have a community around them, which is great, but I, I think just playing there all the time. I still really miss that venue. Like I know it sounds cliche at this point, but if I could bring like any venue back, I would definitely. Except maybe the stairs. <laughs> yes, like... <laughs> yes, yes, totally. <laughs> the stairs, but <laughs> yeah, it's like everyone who worked there is just always did really good sound, or is always just having someone remember you. I think is a goes a long way because like you see so many people all the time, you don't expect to be like remembered, but I feel like they really wanted to be yeah community community is so important and they really fostered a sense of community there that's true and yeah like dan francia who did the, EP. the man yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> he did the ep with me like that's how i met him is like he did sound there and i just i don't know having a good like a friendly supportive sound person like there's the business joke on the tour where like <laughs> so the person who did the monitors at pitchfork was like a really good sound person. Like every time there's like a really attentive sound person, I'm always like, ah, the one that got away. <laughs> like, because you always remember that. It just feels so nice and it goes a long way. So like Dan, Reish, RJ, um, were all people who did sound at Shea that always felt like, it's, it's going to sound good. Yeah, I'm going to be totally. able to play well. A good sound person is worth their weight in gold for sure. <laughs> I think that like makes or breaks it. I mean, you can try to let it not get to you, but sometimes it can be hard. You have a sound person who's like really not dealing yeah. with it. Like, they have everything. so much control and power. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too much power. It's too people. much. <laughs> so like I mentioned, you're really, you know, known as a great drummer and you've played in so many different projects. Thank you. When did you start? getting involved in songwriting when was that something that you decided you wanted to explore more I think it kind of just became something I wanted to prove to myself that I could do or it would just happen like by accident because it can just it, it can be hard to play drums in the city so I started playing guitar more just because you can do it whenever um, you don't have to go to your practice space. And like former bands that I've had, I would help out with writing sometimes or like have ideas, but I didn't really want to be in the spotlight and have like a full song. But I think yeah. with Stove, I started getting more into songwriting. And like Jack Olinassis too, but I would say more Stove, like, because um, Steve really wanted like a more collaborative environment in that band. So like he would have a song and be like, I want you to add some lyrics or some vocal parts and 
so I think I got like a taste of that and then I had a couple of songs that still put it out so I just got more inspired by that in a way where I think it definitely was like validating to have people to write with and with Smile Machine it was just like some loose ends like some songs that I had that weren't really going to any project or I just wanted to keep trying to write yeah so I read that that you started contributing melody lyrics uh additional vocals to stove when as a member of stove and it's kind of like getting your feet wet a little bit with songwriting kind of approaching it in more of a you know this is a a small thing to start with and then you know moving on to something bigger so do you think that kind of approach kind of starting off in the collaborative environment maybe contributing a piece of a song do you think that made the process of diving into writing your own full fleshed out songs easier for you i think i think so because just seeing how other people like if you're in that kind of setting and seeing how other people write like i think there's like a perfectionist aspect to my personality where it can be hard to feel like you're like good enough like like or it's like, where do you begin? And then just watching other people go through their own process and seeing there's no like quote unquote right way. You're just expressing yourself, like having an environment where you could, where I could do that and like even dabble or get my feet wet, as you said, like kind of help me be a little more confident or just practice like what keys feel good to sing in, like what kind of chords I like or feel good to sing over. Um, and with Jackal, like, working on melodies and lyrics, like figuring out how my voice works. If that makes sense, like just getting to practice even just a little bit. Totally. It seems like it's less of a a pressure situation because you're involved at that point with other people that can kind of guide you at first or kind of take, you know, kind of take over instead of just totally going in you know, 100%. So that seems cool for sure. Yeah, that's true. And thinking back, like, like the first time I wrote like a full song just by myself, it just sort of happened. And I wrote, I like made a demo of it with um, some of the people on stove and they were really supportive about it and wanted to put it out. So that made me think like, oh, maybe this is something that I can do. And I don't know why I had this like self-limiting belief where I was like, oh, I don't know how to do that. That's not what I do. I just play drums, you know? So I think it's just like having enough personal space to write or being vulnerable enough with yourself to know what you want to say is like a, a big step. So maybe I hadn't like taken that step yet and writing with Stove and Jack will helped me like know how to start but yeah, having them be supportive was helpful for sure. Yeah. Do you do you remember like a key turning point for you when you decided, okay, now I'm ready to do my own thing and share my own music instead of just continuing to, to do what I'm currently doing, which is, you know, playing drums with uh, different bands? Yeah. Um, well, Stove like slowed down a lot. 
um, a few years ago. So I think I had some songs that I had been working on that I just assumed would be put out with them or it wasn't like clear. So I just decided like, I'm not going to, you know, wait for like a band to help me do this. I'm just going to like try to do it and just write songs just to, just to practice. Like I just want to get better at guitar and singing and it also is like a form of discipline for me like <laughs> like i was going out way too much i've been there it's all good <laughs> yeah. i'm like trying to <laughs> yeah i'm like how do i put this yeah <laughs> so it's like you know i'm just gonna having like a goal is really grounding i guess where it's like i'm not gonna go out after work or i'm not gonna do this i'm just gonna go home and like it was a way for me to spend time with myself and get to know myself more. Cause I feel like one thing about drums and playing in other people's bands is it's like, you always have, you're like processing someone else's music, which is really fun, but it's like, you're just, it's a different focus. Like, so I just really used it as a chance to kind of ask myself like what would I say if I was like just writing songs by myself and not writing it for this band or with this person or like worrying about what or like caring what people think like just to do it and just exercise that muscle and like get better at it um and I was also teaching a lot and playing guitar more at the school so I felt like a little more comfortable on guitar totally the other thing you just mentioned that you kind of wrote these songs and finished this EP for yourself and to prove to yourself that you could do it. But now that it's out, uh, there's been like a real positive response to it. And I was just curious about how have people's responses to these songs uh, changed the way you look at them, if at all? Wow. It's been weird because I didn't even... <laughs> yeah, it's just I just... I just want to get it done and just have the songs be out. Like it's been really sweet. It's vulnerable too, but it's, it makes me fairly grateful, like, and excited. Um, I think one thing that's weird is if people ask what songs are about or, and it's, that's like, kind of hard to explain. Cause I feel like when you just making the thing is, is doing it. So I don't know how to like always talk about it. So I guess sometimes the response makes me feel like vulnerable where it's like, I don't know. I didn't have anything like planned to say. I didn't have like a speech or anything. <laughs> I've just been feeling excited that it resonates with anyone or that people want to play in the band or like come to the show. Like that's been really awesome. Cause I didn't expect really much from anything. I just wanted to have it be, be there and be out. So you, you'd also mentioned that these songs were an attempt by you to like better understand yourself and process your own emotions. Uh, were you nervous at first about diving deeper into yourself and the associated emotions uh, when you started working on these songs? Yeah, definitely. That's like been hard too, like playing them and like, it's like, it's definitely yeah a lot in that way it's i don't know i think it was like a difficult well, i think that's a difficult time in everyone's life like late 20s 
it's <laughs> it was um like some of the songs are older like from 2017 or something and like so much changed from then until when it was finally out so I, I guess a lot of the songs are just processing like breakups and family issues like um like my dad passed away like six years ago the anniversary was like recently so it, it's been like I feel like I'm still processing that and like what that even means and I think like sometimes we underestimate how big of a deal like death is in our everyday lives so I think a lot of the songs and like my songwriting is sort of reflective of like just trying to get through every day and like accept certain things and figure out like who I want to be and like where I want to go um I don't know if it like s sounds like that or I feel like the lyrics aren't even very audible but they're just yeah there's such a feeling to the that. songs <laughs> when I hear them you can feel it even That's if good. the lyrics aren't necessarily <laughs> like totally audible at all times but there's a feeling that's conveyed through the sounds of the songs that's kind of what i got out of it from listening to thanks it was um yeah i mean i think i was definitely kind of like feeling lonely at that time and so a lot of a lot of the songs are about that just feeling kind of lonely or struggling with like anxiety and depression so usually I feel like that's where those, that's the place where a lot of the songs are coming from. So, but I don't want it to seem like a negative thing. I've tried to think of it as like an empowering thing, like accepting how you feel and then trying to move past that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's important. It's important for people to self-analyze sometimes and understand the root of their, root of their feelings and some of their you know, behaviors, I guess, so that you can understand it and then move, move past it. Like you were saying. Yeah, definitely. And, um, like trying to understand your relationships and like yourself within those containers or, or whatever. So like, just, yeah. Cause like Stove kind of stopped playing and Jack Lanassas broke up. So it was a lot of, there was a lot of like, I felt like I was at kind of a standstill in my life. Where I was like, I don't really know what to do with myself. Like I've been dedicated to these bands for like years and now it sort of just took a break so I just felt really lost and a little bit on my own but I think it was healthy for me to be like more independent because like you were saying earlier like playing in lots of bands like being super caught up in all of that like there's not a lot of time to stop and just like think and I don't know if like you could relate like I feel like during quarantine and COVID yeah. that was like part of it too like who am I without like all of this other stuff that I do or who am I without these people in my life? Like who am I just on my own? It's, it could be very jarring. It's very like almost existential identity questions that yes. you have to go through when you're so involved with certain things that are a big part of your life. Like, as you mentioned, those two bands and then to just to have them yeah. stop, it's hard to transition uh, after, you know, those those experiences that's really like what it was a lot of that and like if you've ever had like a really yeah like a friend or a family or breakup like 
it can, like you said, jarring is like the perfect word because it feels so sudden and a lot of it feels um, just very like, I have no choice but to just accept this. Um, I have no choice but to just like be by myself for a while and figure that out. So that was where a lot of the songs were coming from too and like trying to rebuild my sense of identity <laughs> in a new yeah. way. And it's, it's definitely a process, but it seems like you've engaged in that process and you've come out on the other side now, which is great to say. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. I think it's still... Always a work in progress, though. Yeah, for sure. Always changing, yeah. <laughs> but no, I appreciate that. And yeah, like, I started uh, going to therapy at some yes. point along the way. And I don't know if you've ever gone to like therapy but you know like in the beginning of therapy like how scary it is and you're like wait my whole life is a lie like <laughs> that was also like one aspect of it just feeling like wow I'm like really in touch with my emotions for the first time in like a whole new way it's like it's like being colorblind and then seeing color <laughs> yeah it's kind of. therapy I encourage everyone to go to therapy even if they think they may not need it because it's very eye-opening to be able to understand yourself on a deeper level uh very you know yeah. very helpful for me uh for sure yeah and it's i think one of the things that's hard is people usually go when they need it but i always think of like how much could i have benefited if i had started going earlier but i know it's like it's easier said than done like i was on the wait list forever and i really lucked out like my therapist is really great but not everyone's is great so it can be really terrifying to put yourself out there like and I think scary to face like what's going to happen when I go in there like what am I going to find out about myself that I don't want to see I don't know yeah yeah it's hard it's hard to face some parts of yourself and of course revisiting painful parts of your life is like the most challenging thing I've found um, but sometimes so necessary yeah exactly that's yeah that's been really what I've been focused on the last couple of years is all of that um so it's been I don't know I feel like more emotional than ever but also like maybe I'm just accepting that I'm emotional for the first time or something <laughs> um but yeah I could I totally feel that because I'm also very emotional <laughs> okay good <laughs> it's scary like I don't know what to say when people ask me about my music it's like very I think that's why drums always well there's a lot of reasons the drums appeal to me but I felt like I didn't have to be as in the spotlight and vulnerable I could just like have fun and rock out and do my part and you know if it if it's not a it's not like about me I think that was better but it but it's also cool to be in the spotlight and share your story and share something that resonates with people you know yeah. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, th that is true. It has been really cool. Yeah. But that's always something that I kind of felt like a lot of people go through where they kind of want to avoid the spotlight and then maybe learn to yeah. embrace it, you know, in bits and pieces a little more. Yeah. yeah, I definitely relate to that. So Pretty Today really stood out to me on the record. Okay, uh, yeah. You shared a quote about <laughs> it. Um and it, it, it kind of touches into what we were just talking about. You know, this song is about wanting to create your own identity and break free from unhealthy patterns or behaviors. 
uh, creating your own sense of yeah. self and not feeling stuck or enmeshed in your environment. And when I read that, I kind of felt like you were, you know, talking about it within the context of your personal life and your personal relationships and your life outside of music. But I'm also wondering, because so much of Smile Machine now is sort of creating your own identity as a songwriter, was that song also reflective of your desire to create your own identity, you know, as a songwriter? Wow, that's kind of, like, more... That's so cool. I love when people interpret your songs in, like, even a better way than you meant to, like... I feel like you picked up on a whole other dimension of it that I wasn't aware of. It sounds like it's this song about, you know, breaking free from toxic relationships, kind of formulating mm -hmm. your own identity within the context of them and in your personal life. But at the same time, you're also kind of creating this new identity as a, as a songwriter, too, through this project. That's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it is sort of saying to yourself like I don't want to live like this anymore like I don't want to hold myself back like I don't want to be held back I don't want to hold myself back I'm not afraid to just say what I feel um trying to embrace that like I guess it's more about like family dynamics and feeling kind of like you grow up in this box and then now you're trying to figure out like why was it like this it's like specific to me and my life but I feel like people can yeah. relate to it in different ways where it's like you grow up with these expectations and like certain dynamics in your in your family and in your relationships like with that with those people and like it can be like very rigid where it's like maybe you don't have a place to express yourself or like you don't you can't really be who you want to be or who you really are or figure out who that is because you're so caught up in your surroundings and like a lot of people don't have like outlets for that. So I mean, I guess it is kind of relevant to writing music too, because it's like, like, yeah. I'm not afraid. I'm just going to try to get out there and like not worry about what people think. Um, but I don't know. I guess that's a little, um, it's more about like personal yeah. relationships and like kind of, creating your own identity outside of those like dynamics, like especially going back to what we're talking about therapy and just feeling like there's certain behaviors that you pick up or patterns or like fears or feelings that like aren't yours. And you're just trying to figure out who you are. Um, so I guess, it, yeah, it does make sense with songwriting as well. Like, but yeah. Would you, you know, since this was EP seems like, an exercise in self-reflection and an attempt to understand yourself yeah. better. What do you think you learned about yourself after writing and recording these songs? I think I learned how to trust myself more. I think I became more of the person I want to be through it. Like trying to be more confident and like making decisions, like making decisions yourself instead of like an abandon yeah. of other people around to consider. But this was, it was definitely new a new experience to say um there's so many options for how this could go or how this could sound so i i'm the only person in control like being in control was like kind of a challenge and new and exciting so i guess i just learned how to be more 
self-reliant and more disciplined. I guess I learned that I have, I feel like I have a long way to go. <laughs> I feel like I'm like pretty sensitive and I don't, I think it's hard to accept that about yourself. So I guess I learned how to have a healthier way to express that. Yeah, for sure. I've felt like I've learned that about myself too. It's funny, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, I don't know like how old you are, but I feel like growing up in like the 2000s was like... Yeah, I think we're about the same age. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm, I'm like 32. So. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I don't know how that's... Yeah, it's crazy, but I just feel like we didn't grow up in an era that was very kind. Not that anyone really did, but I just feel like that culture, it was so like superficial, like 9-11 like happened. Like there's just so much like negativity i feel like i agree era. with you completely I, I totally agree with you yeah it was a totally that's validating <laughs> not a weird very weird culturally i'd say as far as and the yeah. events i mean it was yeah fun. it was fun like being yeah. into music and stuff and having your own like separate you know thing going to shows and stuff but even then kind of the culture oh, yeah. was a little toxic sometimes i'd say yeah it, it felt very superficial and like like especially as a woman you know just always feeling like i mean pretty today sort of touches on that too which like is why it's called that because it's like feeling like that's kind of like what your worth is is like how you look and implying that it's like it's temporary like you could feel really good about yourself one day and then not the next day like i feel like there's so much focus on your appearance and there wasn't as many like female musicians that I would see like in media. Yeah. It was crazy to think about, um, mm -hmm. you know, back, back then. Where are you from by the way? Um, Rockville, Maryland. So like kind of outside okay. of DC. So I go to nine thirty yeah. club a lot and black cat. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Um, so much fun. I was like, I'm so happy that I had that around. Like I went to shows all the time um, and it's a fun place to grow up. Like there's always museums and protests and stuff. So it's like a very active place to live in a way. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, like playing drums at that time as woman too was a little bit like, I feel like there's always pushback. So in a way, like, I feel like, I'm kind of going like shedding that skin again with like yeah. this endeavor, just telling myself I can do it and getting through all the self doubt. Yeah. It's interesting because those moments from your youth that you think you got past, like yes. stay with you. Yeah. That's so then so you good. have to, you have to reconquer them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's annoying. <laughs> dude that is so relatable and it's true yeah it's yeah. like every day like let's do it again like even though it's kind of amazing it's like no matter how much you accomplish it's like you still feel like oh i could there's still that critical part of you that's like oh. of course yeah yeah it's like no matter how many nice things people say about the ep it's like i still feel really self-conscious sometimes like just playing and singing the lyrics it's like oh this is so cringe like <laughs> But I, I feel like everyone probably feels like that about their music, I I hope. And yeah, I don't know. 
I think that's human though. I think that's good to, to feel that way. Like it would feel kind of boring to just feel nothing. Yeah. It's definitely, a, it seems like a common thing for sure. <laughs> yeah. How'd you, you know, Dan Francia engineered this EP. You worked with him on it. He's great. He's mm-hmm. engineered a lot of cool stuff. I know you provided vocals on a great song from his uh, 2019 album, Ghost Stories. And I really like your vocals on that track. Oh, yeah. I noticed you had that on your list. It was um, so long ago. I think that song we just did like, dr- I don't know if I sang on it or if I just did drums. Maybe I sang and I don't remember. But yeah, I definitely. I think you did. it says says vocals there's like a screaming part oh wait was it the yeah are you talking about dust are you talking about um come back to life come back to life yeah okay okay cool wow i guess i forgot about that but (laughs) (laughs) it's all good um it's all good but but so what what's your uh how'd you develop a relationship with him and what was it like working with him on uh, this EP. Um, I met him just through Shay, and he played in a band called Flagland that's on Exploding in Sound, and um, Life Size Maps played with them like years ago, so it's funny to think like he was kind of one of the first people I met. Um, and sometimes New York is like that, where you'll meet someone, and then 10 years later, you meet them again, and you're like, oh, we already met before, um, but we didn't keep in touch or whatever. Um, but yeah, we, let's see, he played bass in Stove for a tour which was like so much fun i feel like you really get to know someone on tour and have like a bond um and then he's played in monica a few times like he's yeah. just one of those people who's like he can just kind of pick it up and play so he's always involved somehow which is awesome and yeah i mean i guess we just i've always gotten along and like kept in touch and we like a lot of the same music um so I'm trying to think. I remember we talked on the phone in like January 2020 about recording. Like I I wanted him to do it because I just felt like he he's fun to work with and easy to work with and we communicate well. Um he also was really so I like really love Blink 182. It's like one of my favorite bands. And he also is like really down and like we like a lot of the same we had a lot of same influences growing up. So I yeah. feel like I just wanted someone to be there who like knows what I wanted to sound like. And I think I just feel like comfortable with him because he, we've played together in so many settings. Like I feel like he respects me as a musician. So I didn't have to feel self-conscious or he's just very patient. Um, and he's like a really good listener. So those are like all really like qualities that I felt like I needed for something like this. And, um, yeah, we just did, we did the drums in one day at a practice space. And then we just did every weekend. Like we were just going to do it really quick and just kind of bang it out. But yeah, it got kind of more complicated than that. But yeah, and he's like, he was really encouraging too. Like at one point I just asked him to play bass on the EP. Cause I was like, you'll know exactly what to play. You should yeah. just do it. And he said, no, like you should write the parts and play them because it'd be more meaningful. And it would, um, shape the songs in a more personal way and i think that was like really cool that he expressed that that's really cool advice and yeah you know a really cool response because 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking if someone was like, asked me to do something, I'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. I'll help you out. I'll do it. But I it's know. like, it's a really thoughtful response, actually. Yeah. It's yeah. like he really saw the the music. He wanted to see it for what it is. And he didn't even, he's just so, um, how do I explain? Like, he didn't even think of himself at all. Like, every time I'm like, Dan's the best. Like, Dan did such a great job. He's like, no, I didn't do anything. It's like, that's like the vibe. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's so funny. I saw him at a, a show this summer here in Jersey City. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I love the Smile Machine EP. You produced that, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I en- engineered. So he's like, you know, because yeah. you, you made all the production choices and stuff like that. So, no, you I know. St- yeah. Um, <laughs> It's funny that he, yeah, it's sweet though. It's like very endearing. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, things got kind of hairy. It was supposed to just be us two. And then Nick Dooley, who also played in Fugland, but um, they have a studio in Vermont. Like that's where a lot of the stove albums have been done. Um, he mixed it. So it was sort of like him and Nick worked on that aspect of it. Yeah, t- take me through the process because I know it kind of got complicated once you know COVID nineteen yeah. came along. That kind of part of it was done prior to the pandemic, and then you had to really, you know, take that time to do the rest of it after the the pandemic had started. Yes, um, I like at some point when we were recording in early twenty twenty, he moved to New Jersey. So I went to New Jersey for one weekend to do like guitars um, and most of the vocals, but we didn't get the vocals done for Bone to Pick because I just felt like too self-conscious to, to do it in front of, not that anyone even cares, it's just all, all me, but I just was like, I can't do this. Like, I feel like I don't know what to do and I just need to like be alone and do it. And then there's some guitar leads I didn't get to put on yet. So I just had to do those in my apartment. Um, and I edited together the vocals for that and did the guitars and like garage band <laughs> for the most part. It just, it makes it so much harder to do it, rem- like to press record and play and then edit everything. It's like in person, you could just do it in 10 seconds. Yeah. So that definitely made everything take longer, but it was really good practice for me too. And I feel like I got really a lot better at recording playing and editing stuff like it felt good it feels good you know and I feel like I had ample time to do it even though quarantine was really difficult in a lot of ways like there was no pressure to just go 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 so that was kind of nice in a way yeah you mentioned bone to pick and not knowing what you wanted to do with the vocals initially and it's a really powerful opening track on the ep and the (laughs) vocals are like these screaming vocals when did you decide that you wanted to (laughs) to do that when did that come out since were you thinking of oh i want to you know when did you decide like oh that's that's the way i want to do the vocals for that um i played a show Alphaville one time just like a live set just it was with different musicians and it wasn't like Smile Machine it was just like under my name because I just I don't know how it came about I think I just was trying to put myself out there in practice and so that song was just sort of like 
a riff that I had when I was jamming with a friend of mine. It, I just like came up with it, and then it was just sort of sitting around. Um, and the lyrics are just from like a poem, or it was like a dream, like a weird dream that I had. And when I woke up, I just wrote everything down that I could remember about the dream. And so I just was like, I'm just gonna throw this song in the set just to have like extra stuff to do. And the there was no melody that fit. Yeah. For the words and the words didn't even rhythmically fit over anything in the riff the form is weird it's like that's the one song that everyone's like how does this song go because it, it's just like a i wouldn't even call it a song but yeah <laughs> so i just did it live like that and i think steve from stove was like in the audience and he's like that was my favorite song that you played and i was like okay I, maybe this is a good this is like what the whole I feel like this is like what the whole thing is, is like me being like, I'm just going to try this and like see how it goes. And then getting like a positive response and realizing like, oh, okay, this is like, this is fine. This is cool. Like put one foot in front of the other. Um, lyrics can kind of go anywhere in the mm-hmm. song. So that's why I felt like I was struggling to feel like where should they go. So I just kind of did a bunch of different takes of it and then caught like cut and paste different phrases and then figured out where I wanted them to go. So live it's fun to do because I can kind of switch it up um, and like play with it every time. So it was hard to like define, like decide like a final version of that. And also like the way that they're doubled was kind of difficult to line them up. And I don't know, listening to different takes of yourself, screaming is like not that fun <laughs> but <laughs> it's like all right we get it you're angry <laughs> it's like but it's fun to just like let that yeah, part of yourself yeah. go all right everyone so now we're gonna play two tracks from by for now we're gonna play the first two tracks on the album which we just talked about bone to pick and pretty today
right, everyone, we just heard the first two tracks from Smile Machine's debut EP. Bye for now. We heard Bone to Pick and Pretty Today. Everyone, you can get that on cassette via explodinginsound.bandcamp.com or you could get it a digital download, smilemachineband.bandcamp.com. All right, now time for some records. Jordan loving these selections. First up. It was hard to choose. Yeah, I know. There's a lot. But you picked some diamonds for sure. Diamond records. Starting with Say by Cat Power off of Moon Picks. I got this record at that record store that's also like a comic book store in Bushwick. I always forget the name of it, but I 100% bought this record there. That's awesome. The the one like near Maria Hernandez Park? Yes. I wish I could remember the name of that place is. Um, But yeah, that record, I don't know. I feel like that record really inspired me in a lot of ways because her guitar playing is sort of repetitive on that song. It's like just this, like, just this finger picking pattern that just kind of repeats. And that always inspired me because I felt like you don't have to have anything crazy to write a really great song. Like this is it. This is what it is. And it's amazing. And it's just, I'm really drawn to anything that sounds really like dark. So, Yeah. That is totally gotta be something that if I was a songwriter would be so hard to accept and is probably, you know, takes time to learn that, Oh, something really simple can be truly great. Because sometimes, at least from probably the way that I would look at it is like, oh, this isn't enough. Like, this can't be a full song. But yes, it can. And some of the greatest songs are just like that. And, you know, this is, you know, an example kind of of what you're saying is this repetitive finger-picked riff. Yeah, that's so true what you just said, too. And that's, like, definitely embodies how I've felt about songwriting. Like, oh, it's intimidating. It's like... You know, what does it even mean? And then you hear something like say or like, I also love Back of Your Head. That's like another one on that album that yeah. I'll like play on repeat. I'll, that's like my sad, sad bitch album. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I like a lot of her music too. Like she's just a really cool musician in general. And I know she like struggles with stage fright a lot and stuff. So that kind of inspires me too, where it's like, all right, if you can do it, anyone can do it and you're just doing it and it's great um yeah i love how depressing that song is (laughs) yeah and that's always interesting to hear that you know an accomplished artist like cat power has stage fright you know it's really Uh, yeah in you know that this is something that anyone can deal with you know that uh you know yeah. So I agree. Because I know uh, one of my favorite bands of all time is XTC and Andy I Partridge. Can tell. Yeah, I got like everything. Fuck yes. And uh, Andy Partridge has like debilitating stage fright, despite the fact really? that he's an incredible songwriter. So XTC, I noticed that was when I saw your playlist, I was like, oh, like, 
I think my favorite XTC album is Drums and yeah. Wires. I didn't. There's so much on the playlist. I I, I couldn't get through all of it like in time yesterday, but I wondered if that was on there because I was like, I would love to pick that as like an inspirational album as well. Um, yeah, the you know the the drumming on that record is so good. It's very like art punky that that album. So interesting, really angular yeah. and and stuff like that. And then they kind of ventured out into more like psych pop and like more like pop songwriting. But that's still when they're kind of like, you know, that that's like one of the touchdowns of all of their releases for sure, because of how interesting the songs are constructed. Yeah, Complicated Game, I think is... Sick song, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's one of my favorite songs. And... Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that about them. They're such a hard band to pin down. Like, it's hard to know where to begin. Because, like, so many of their albums are so different. Yeah, like, every album sounds really, really different. My brother bought me Skylarking. Uh, my brother brings a whole... Yeah, he did the Pretty Today video. He's like a little bit older than me. He's always gotten me into really cool music my whole life. So I don't know. That's kind of special. Yeah, that's really cool. It's having yeah. an older sibling. I don't have an older sibling, but for everyone that has had an old, older sibling that I've <laughs> talked to, sounds like a great introduction to great music through that older sibling. Are you that older sibling? Yes, I am that older sibling. Hell yeah. <laughs> I am too for um, my, my younger brother, but it's fun to have to be both. Adrian Lenker, anything off of songs. This is an album that's resonated with so many people that I've spoken to and just yeah. so many people in general over the last year's relatively new release. Yeah, I mean, I love Big Thief too, but like this song particularly like always makes me cry. It's just so cathartic and like delicate. Like I love her voice and the melody is so catchy i also love how it, i guess there's like a theme here where it's like kind of just a simple not that it's a simple song but it's it's just sort of this chord pattern that is like repetitive there's just like a shaker in the background it's like very minimal but i feel like it's so huge emotionally and the lyrics are so awesome um like that song just always in a way, for me, it's like a similar feeling as the cat part stuff where it's like, if I just need some music to help me be in my feelings, like that's one of them. But it's versatile too. Like it's, it's also catchy and sweet. Like you, it doesn't have to be that, but I like how vulnerable, uh, Adrian is in that song and it never gets old. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like had to mention that one. Next, K 
Casey Accidental by Broken Social Scene off of You Forgot It in People. Yo, the drums in that song are just incredible. Um, I mean, that drummer in general is really awesome. Like, I love that whole album. I had a really big Broken Social Scene phase, like, when I was in college. It was just like, I couldn't stop listening to them for just months. I was obsessed. And it's, it's hard to pick, like, what like my favorite album would even be by them because I think a lot of their albums are really different. There's like, I have favorite songs on all of their albums, but Kiss the Accidental is like another like heart wrenching song, but I like how it's kind of upbeat and fast and kind of fun. So it has, it's not all like all the eggs aren't in one basket of like, this is an emotionally heavy song. It's like, it's explosive and it's brutal. It just gets so crazy like with the strings and everything. Yeah. When the strings come in and that yeah. back. <laughs> by snail mail it's the title track off of her 2017 ep habit i saw snail mail like right when this came out at brooklyn bazaar she played with priests really good i think this ep may have come out in 2016 actually i don't i I think you no i think you're right because i remember listening to it a lot it was like december it was like christmas time 2016 yeah yeah, um, I think so. Great EP and her introduction to the world. And she's been putting out new singles recently, which are awesome. So can't wait to hear her new album. Me too. Um, she's from like Maryland, outside Baltimore of DC area, right? Too. Yeah. yeah, like I want to say Potomac or something, but yeah, like, so that's kind of interesting. And yeah, I love that EP so much. And I love that song, like, I love that lyric. It's not something I can put my hands over. Or is that what the lyric yeah. is? I don't know why. I just love it so much. And I like how she just repeats it. And like, again, there's like something comforting and like, this is repetitive, but it's hidden. So it's fine. And I love the drums and how they just sound like, I love how it just really sounds like someone's first EP. And like, like a, it just sounds very useful and heavy. I don't know. It's just like, Another like heartbreaking song. I love that. Cross the Breeze by Sonic Youth off of Daydream Nation. Yes, dude. Okay. So, like, I do love Sonic Youth, but I've noticed I usually skip to the Kim Gordon songs. Like, I've just, like, always noticed that about myself. Like, I love her her voice. It's just so... Um, I like how it's, like, deep and kind of chill. But there's so much emotion behind like the lyrics and like everything else happening musically. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kim Gordon's just inspiring to us all, I think. Oh yeah. For sure. Um 
Yeah, and like I don't know, I like I was saying earlier about just like growing up and like not feeling like there was a lot of like women musicians in my in my awareness, like it was very like male dominated in a lot of the media. Like I feel like I'm now starting to get more into like female artists and be more aware of it and like connect with it more. I just feel like it wasn't as accessible to me when I was young. Um, except for like pop music, but yeah. Or like the distillers or like there's some people or like whole, but yeah, like I feel like Kim Gordon is one of those people who has always permeated for so many decades. And it just like is really impressive to me. She's incredible for sure. And her Sonic Youth songs are really, really awesome. Yeah. I love that song. It sounds so cold. It just sounds so like, I don't know why every music, every song I'm drawn to is just like so sad, but I just love that that song. by Neil Young off of On the Beach. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I guess Neil Young really inspires my guitar playing. Um, not that I'm, like, as good or whatever, you know, but not, I don't know if it comes through, but, like, his soloing is really something that is kind of my favorite, just, like, his phrasing and sounds like he's singing when he's so yeah. and I was really like that so melodic it's like this could be a whole other song um but his chords too especially in that song like shut apple actually the last song on the AP um some of the chords are borrowed from on the beach because I was just like learning how to play it and yeah just like some beautiful chords and beautiful solos so for guitar anyway that song was really inspiring this is an underrated neil young album too thank you i feel everyone in um in barty's band is like a neil young fan too and like i feel like we always debate like what's the best album what's the best song like it's really hard to choose but i feel like on the beach is like underrated it doesn't get enough recognition Uh, you know like everybody thinks of harvest and after the gold rush but this is one I only yeah. really got into at the beginning of quarantine, but it immediately became my favorite Neil Young record. So, yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, I feel like I was late to the game with Neil as well. Like, I feel like I didn't get it. Like, my whole life I felt like, oh, it's just so boring. Like, I don't get it. And then Adam Reich actually from Shea has like a cover, like a Neil Young yeah. cover band. And I saw them perform. It was like 2017, I think. And I felt like, wait, this suddenly is like resonating with me so much. Like, I feel like I've just missed this whole thing. And then I got really into Neil Young and now it's beautiful to like witness yourself and other people like get it. From the where I placed them yesterday. But don't turn away 
Next, the album Hannah by Lomelda. Yeah. Um, Steve Hartlett got me into Lomelda. Like, I know he's really influenced by their music, but this one song particularly just, like, always gets stuck in my head. Like, the riff is so catchy. Um, I think it's, it's in, like, a weird time signature, too. So it's just, like, I really love stuff like that. Like, something that's really melodic and groovy but it's an odd time but you can't even really tell because it just feels so natural um that vocal melody is just so good i i just always get stuck in my head and also her their audio tree session is really awesome when i was working on the artwork for the ep i was listening to that and it was really nice so you did the artwork for the ep i watercolored cool. it but um steve drew it yeah i told i wanted him to draw something because i felt like he'd been such a big part of like we're really close friends and he's been such a big part of yeah everything in my life so i feel like and i felt like he understood what the songs are about so i was like i want you to draw something with like butterflies or moths like something in nature and what they came up with was perfect and i but i watercolored it so, yeah, it was really therapeutic. I should do that more. Finally, Christian Brothers by Elliot Smith off of his self-titled album. I love Elliot Smith, just in general, like I have for a long time. He's amazing at everything. <laughs> I kind of wanted my, like I think Either Or would be like my favorite record, but I love his self-titled too. I love Christian Brothers. Like I love that riff, like after the intro. Yeah. It's just really badass. Um but yeah, going into recording, I wanted to sound like, you know, either or like the yeah. the first song, Speed Trials, like that's kind of what I wanted EP to sound like. I don't know if we like, it sort of became its own thing, but that was like what I was going for. Just something kind of lo-fi. Like, I love how the drums sound kind of far away um, and it sounds very simple, but the vocals cut. Yeah, so when you were, just to go back to your EP a little bit, you know, the EP definitely has this great, really raw, lo-fi sound that really, I think, serves the songs really well and kind of the themes and the the music. Was that something you had envisioned it sounding like from the beginning? Is that kind of what you went in at the outset is like, this is kind of the the EP, what I want it to sound like. Yeah, pretty much. Um, mostly because I didn't want it to be like this whole production. I just wanted to like get in and get out and just do it. Um, but I also, that's been most of my experience with recording. Um, if it's like a project that I'm writing in, like recording to cassette always just sounds, especially drums. Like I love drums to cassette. Um, I just think that sounds amazing and kind of yeah i wanted to sound like elliot smith or like early yeah. microphones like especially drums like everything else i was like dan will know what to do <laughs> <laughs> but um the drums is the only thing i really knew like how to record them to tape and make it sound like i think that's the best sound 
Um, and it's not that it's easy, but you know, you can just put like a kick and a snare mic and an overhead and one room mic and put some like t-shirts on the heads and you have a great drum sound. Like there's no need to agonize over like a perfect drum sound. I also think my taste with records, I'm usually drawn to like less production. Like there's so many times, like I feel like bands have like amazing songs live and then I hear their record and I'm like, this is not as exciting as live. So I know it's like harder to hear some some stuff on the EP like there's a lot of things that I feel like aren't as audible or it sounds a little muddy but I feel like I prefer that to being really shiny sounding like that's just not and like the ethos behind the songs is yeah, not yeah, that yeah. either like totally yeah <laughs> so thanks for saying that too because like sometimes it, it also became this whole other thing like we had a certain sound and then just adding all the different layers and like having the different like programs and it just became like how can we do this in a way that makes sense we're all working remotely it's not going to sound perfect or amazing but like it's done totally so yeah i think i came into it with that plan but then it also became its own thing and i think that's like a beautiful thing about just making music and art in general like it never you never know like when it's finished it could always there's always like some other reality where something else happened. So I don't know. It can be hard to like land on something and be like, okay, it's done. Like, don't touch it. It's fine. Yeah. So yeah, that was like part of the process too, is just deciding. Jordan, wow, so great to chat with you today about your awesome new EP, Bye For Now. Really cool to hear about all the songs in the background uh, behind them, the recording process, all that great stuff. Everyone, you can get it at explodinginsoundrecords.bandcamp.com. There. Uh, you could also get the digital version, smilemachineband.bandcamp.com. Uh, at Exploding in Sound Records Bandcamp, you can get the cassette, which I encourage you to get because I have it and it sounds good on tape. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. So now what's next for Smile Machine specifically? I know you're touring with Barty Strange, which is amazing playing drums still for different bands. What about this project specifically? What do you see happening next now that this debut EP is out? Um, I just played as many shows as I could this summer. And let's see, we have a show in December with Editrix. Um, I think it's at Transpicos. And let's see, I'm just trying to find time to write new music and... There is a new demo. Like, we've been playing this song live, but there's, like, a demo of this song I wrote, like, last year on a comp compilation called You're Gonna Be Great 2. I can send you the link, but the proceeds for the compilation go to help um, fund Texas Choice, and they help people Super who important, need... Yeah. yeah, especially right now. So, yeah, um, 
you want to check that out, that'd be cool. But I mean, that's really it. Just um, trying to figure out what cool what's right about next. Well, great work on <laughs> yeah. Bye for now. It is an awesome EP, everyone. Thank you. Check it out. Get yourself a cassette copy. Again, exploding in sound records.bandcamp.com or smilemachineband.bandcamp.com Jordan, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good day. See you soon. Alright, we're going to play one more song from Bye For Now. This is the last track. Shit Apple. <laughs> 